0: Thank you for joining us today. I'm delighted that we've got a lot of extra people here today. I'm on my, I've got four screens worth of faces here, which is wonderful to see from all over, not only the United Kingdom and Ireland, but uh, but also further afield. And I want to give a special welcome uh, to those of you joining us from Africa, from India, from Nepal, and, and a few other places I, I haven't even managed to notice yet because there's so many people here. So thank you very much for being with us today and a special welcome to all the hope worldwide staff from the uk ireland and uh, and the rest of the world we do have a particular we have a connection with hope worldwide through what we're doing these three saturdays but in particular today we've got a strong emphasis more than most uh, weeks and so we're really glad to have this connection with hope and more about that as we uh, as we go on just a reminder the, the spirit of what we're doing here is a spirit of inquiry. We're here not to say we know what the message is in this mayhem, but we're here to say, let's explore what the message might be for the world, perhaps for the church, when many of us are part of the same church, not all, but many, um, or us personally. What's the message for us in the mayhem that's going on right now? And that's what we're here to do, not to pontificate, but to explore. I'm gonna keep us muted for uh, most of the session, because then we don't get the feedback, which is diff- then makes it difficult to hear the speakers. Uh, but there will be an opportunity for group discussion later, which I'll talk through more uh, when we get nearer that time. What we're going to be seeing today is a welcome video from Mike Farrell, CEO of Hope Worldwide UK, and um, then some talks by Andy Azilo and Rob Payne, and prayer by Chandra from uh, Hope Foundation in India, and some, another video from Hope Worldwide Zambia from Doreen. And then we're going to be breaking into about 20 discussion groups, breakout rooms, for a, a, a hopefully a le- reasonable chunk of time to have some good time to process what we've just heard and seen. And then we'll wrap up at around 12.15. So that's what's coming up. Um, I think what I'd like to do next is share my screen and show you
1: the video from uh, Mike Farrell and his... Well- Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Michael Farrell. I am CEO of Hope Worldwide UK, and I want to warmly welcome each and every one of you to this morning's event. In particular, I want to welcome those who have joined us from Hope Worldwide programs in Africa and Asia. As we all know, the world we are living in is facing many challenges. But regardless of those challenges before us, it is important that we take out time to pray, to listen, to talk to one another, and as needed, make decisions on how each of us can respond to what we are witnessing. And This morning, I'm thankful for, to share one such opportunity with each of you. Later on, in this morning's schedule, we'll be hearing from Doreen Bawali from Hope Worldwide Zambia, who is going to say a few th- words about how COVID-19 has affected them and also what they have been doing. Some of the money raised by Hope Worldwide, Hope Worldwide's COVID-19 appeal will be going to help those affected in Zambia. So once again, thank you for joining us. I hope we have a fantastic time together. And now I'm going to pass you on to Malcolm. Thanks, Mike. Fantastic.
0: Great to have you with us. Chandra, would you like to unmute yourself and then lead us in prayer, please?
2: All right. Let's go down and pray to God. Dear God, we wanted to thank you for this time We wanted to remember all the blessings that we hold. We have families, we have a place to live, we are able to move around and interact. Lord, many out there that do not have such facilities, we want to thank those people who need our support. Lord, uh, as we continue to live in this time of responding to the pandemic, COVID-19, we seek your strength and grace to cope with the situations. Lord, it has not been so easy for us to to live in a state of physical and social distancing. We are not in a position to give a hug. We are not in a position to shake hands. We do not want to invite people over to our house. Lord, we live in a very dismal time. We seek your grace and mercy. We seek your support. Lord, we have joined together this morning to think about how best we could reach out to those who need outside. Please give us your wisdom, your strength, Lord. We wanted to offer our prayers for those people who are in the frontliners, particularly who are in the hospital, who are standing there boldly, courageously to take care of the patient's need, And also the defense personnel who have been posted at different places uh, to control the human behavior. Lord, I pray that these people are well taken care by your grace. Lord, allow us to look up to the truth. Uh, allow us to walk through the light. Help us, Lord, to understand how much power that you hold. Lord, we do not have strength, all that we seek, that you give us your wisdom to handle the situation. Help us to give our best. Help us to give our resources. Help us to connect with one another so that we'll be able to be more effective and productive to help someone, Lord. Thank you for this gathering. Help us to participate and help us to learn from one another. Thank you for this time. I pray everything in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: amen thank, amen and thank you thank you for praying for, for us all the way from delhi fantastic well i'm going to share my screen and uh we can watch andy azilo dr andy azilo is going to be speaking i'm going to leave us in his capable hands for the next 15 minutes so
3: good morning and welcome to our teaching event uh my name is andy azilo i live in east london and attend church locally here in east london I, I hope you found last Saturday's classes helpful uh, where we're exploring uh, whether God uh, caused COVID-19 or just allowed it to happen uh, and also looking at suffering in relation to those things and I hope that day was helpful to you. It was certainly helpful to me. You know today myself and Rob Payne will be uh, looking more at um, uh, how we could respond to the COVID-19 situation in our daily lives. So it's looking at um, how we can live today that will be. Uh, really in line with God's will in these, in these, as a result of COVID-19. You know, COVID-19 has affected most of us in one way or another with varying degrees of severity. You know, as a business owner, the lockdown uh, resulted in my losing, I'd say about 50% of my monthly income. Uh, my wife lost all of hers. Um, I mean, prayerfully and thankfully God has provided as we have other sources of income, but it has been nevertheless challenging. Um, my brother lost his father-in-law and mother-in-law to COVID-19 his name was uh, Dr James Onia and his wife was Mary Onia she was um, a director of a number of care homes so uh, both of them lost their lives very painful time and of course we felt that uh, as being part of the family you know you two may have experienced some uh, life challenges as a result of COVID-19 I hope today's um, two talks will be helpful to you uh, I've selected a few scriptures that will hopefully help us help us. Um, I'm going to pick a, a, a scripture from Luke which is Jesus' direct teaching or instruction uh, or a story that he tells. Uh, I'm going to you look in the book of Acts and see how the early Christians uh, of the early church or the, uh, the Christians there responded as they were obviously quite close to hearing what Jesus said. Great to learn from them. and finally, What we can apply in our lives today. Uh, I am looking at three areas. Uh, One is to do with uncertainty uh, brought on by COVID 19. Uh, The other is maintaining an internal perspective uh, during the pandemic. And finally, how we can serve others in these times. You know, starting off in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, where it reads As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, That is, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no way to lay his head. I've entitled this section, Reengaging with a life of uncertainty. You know, this man expressed the desire to follow Jesus, you know, a very noble uh, thing that he said. But Jesus pointed out to him, he said, you know, look at the foxes, look at the birds. Uh, they have a more predictable lifestyle than I have. Um, it was almost as if Jesus was discouraging this man from following him you know why was he telling him this what's the relevance you know maybe the mindset of seeking security or seeking security first uh, will hinder us if we want to put God's will and first and maybe what Jesus was trying to tell this uh, this chat was um, if you follow me your life will be filled with uncertainty this is not meant to be a cross that we bear or some uh, unnecessary challenge that Jesus puts forward. But I think the point he's trying to make is that, uh, you know, this is an opportunity that uh, we can put into practice where we trust God uh, to take care of our needs as we prioritize doing His will. In other words, the priority is to do His will, knowing that God will take care of us and that we need to embrace uncertainty if we want to thrive as Christians. In Acts chapter 8, we see an example where it reads, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. You know, the early church, uh, we see that the the Christians had been scattered due to the killing of Stephen, and obviously, they moved away from their homes and obviously, incredible uncertainty. In Acts 8, verse 4, we read, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So you get the sense that they had actually uh, learned from Jesus because although they'd been scattered and their lives could have been described as filled with uncertainty, they did what God asked of them first and they weren't distracted by the uncertainty. Uh, and this is an incredible quality you know the one thing COVID-19 certainly has done is bring uncertainty into our lives or to the forefront you know uncertainty associated with our health our job security our finances supplies in the shops you know unable to control outcomes which for many of us has brought on stress worry fear and anxiety we want to be in control of outcomes you know i've mentioned earlier the impact of of COVID 19 and the lockdown on my family, maybe you have experienced some incredible life challenges as a result of COVID 19. You know, how are you handling the current state of uncertainty? I hope you're handling it well. Are you overcome with stress, worry, fear, anxiety associated with COVID 19? I hope not. What is a faithful response to uncertainty? You know, in Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34, it's a wonderful discourse uh, by Jesus where he starts off by saying, do not be anxious about your life you know he draws attention to how god provides for all things all creatures particularly ourselves if we seek him first therefore do not worry in matthew 10 28 says do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul a reminder to put our physical lives into context you know learning mindfulness focusing focusing on the present meditating on god's word uh learning what God has to say. You know, rather than not wanting uncertainty, maybe we should embrace uncertainty if you want to fulfil God's will. Uh, secondary is in Luke chapter ten, verse twenty. It says, However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I've entitled this section Retaining an Eternal Perspective. You know, Jesus sent out the disciples to heal and to teach and on their return they were filled with uh, joy because they'd seen many victories. Jesus, however, appears to be training the disciples to reorientate their focus. He notices that their joy level seems to be linked to things going well for them. If so, the ups and downs of life were the things that determine whether they have joy. You sense that Jesus may be being a bit too harsh here. Um, imagine if your children came home from school and said, mom, dad, I got five A stars. And you said, do not rejoice because you got five A stars rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Of course, we, we can rejoice. And uh, I don't think Jesus is saying, don't be joyful or don't rejoice in these kind of things. But I think it wants us to really recognize where the true joy comes from, and that is steady, and we can maintain that through our lives, through the ups and downs. You know, COVID-19 has certainly brought to the surface the issue of mortality and the pain and grief that it brings. The fact that many see death as the end heightens the sense of grief. You know, is this an opportunity for some of us to learn to rejoice in the right things? or learn not to get down by the wrong things in Acts 16 verse 25 reads about midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the other prisoners were listening to them you know were they singing to distract themselves from their pain after being beaten and flogged Um, Mm -hmm. how did they get to that place where they could be in uh, a prison um, in chains and still maintain a certain level of joy. Um, These are great lessons for us. You know, an old grandfather was teaching his grandson about life. He said to the little one, he said, a fight is going on inside me. It's a terrible battle between two wolves. One wolf is evil. He is fear, anger, selfishness, regret, self-pity, guilt, resentment, pride and discontentment. The other is good. He's joy, peace love hope humility kindness selflessness gratitude and faith this same fight is going on inside you and every other person too the child thought about this and asked which wolf is going to win you know there's this fight between these two wolves and the boy says which wolf is going to win and the old man replied the one you feed the most the wolf that you feed the most will win. Well, what are you feeding yourself? You know, there's so many sources that come to us uh, through news, social media, our friends, what people are saying, and this can influence our level of joy. And uh, and yet God wants us to get our food from the right place. Uh, are you hearing what God is saying at this time? Are you hearing what God is asking you to be like or to do? Are you hear what God is training in you? Or do you get your kind of food from other places. You know, one message for me in the mayhem is that, you know, just to remind that death is not the end. I remember speaking with a, a friend and a brother in church at Warner Baker many years ago, knowing that he only had a few weeks to live and yet he seemed genuinely filled with joy. Of course, he was sad that he'd been leaving his family but you couldn't uh, you couldn't uh, not see his 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 joy going to be with god forever this is an incredible help to me just to see this kind of joy uh, lived out thirdly in luke chapter 10 verse 37 a very short phrase it says go and do likewise you know i've been entitled this section rethinking what it means to love our neighbor you know luke 10 Verse 25 to 37 presents the popular story of the Good Samaritan. It starts with an expert in the law asking Jesus what he needs to do in order for him to inherit eternal life. Eternal life that is life forever with God. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that's in John chapter seven verse three, set 17 verse three, where Jesus gives an idea of uh, what is eternal life and, and what this chap is asking for. You know, amidst the answer comes the call for the experts in the law to love your neighbor as yourself. To which the chap replied, replied, who is my neighbor? And to a Jew, this would typically be another Jew or a convert to Juda- Judaism the man would have been shocked by Jesus' reply, effectively using a person that the Jews despised as the example of a neighbor. You know, just like in the parable, Jesus is unearthing in us religious types, our tendencies to discriminate. He's calling us to see our unconscious bias, maybe. Do you treat people differently depending on their race, skin color, religion, social status level of education occupation personality type you know we often create boundaries and a limit to to who and how we we love and care for other people you know in acts chapter 10 you know peter was facing some challenges as he was asked to to help a non-jew he was a jew and god was asking him to reach out to a non-jew who he viewed as unclean and in terms of the jewish law and their traditions that wasn't right for him to do so there's a wrestling between should he help this type of person you know some people have called this passage of the conversion of Cornelius some have called it conversion of Peter because Peter had to change his views and he had to learn more about what it meant to love his neighbor you know I raise the next point not because it's COVID-19 related but because it relates to loving our neighbor <clears throat> and it's affecting so many people at this time many even within our churches of black origin and feeling deep hurt and pain following the killing of George Floyd in America. What does loving our neighbor look like here? Well maybe we can devote time to listen and understand their pain. Maybe we can offer to carry their burdens with them by acting on their concerns. You know, although my father is black uh, from Nigeria, my mother is from here, England, she's from Leeds. I grew up in Nigeria for a large part of my life um, with no issues undervaluing my race and identity. My wife, on the other hand, was born into a country where she experienced hatred and was fed negative vibes regarding her ethnicity. She also suffered racial abuse from authority figures in the British press and members of the public on a regular basis. Therefore, this is one area that I am really wanted to share because I feel very weak in this area and I have a lot to learn in how to uh, uh, connect and how to empathize. You know, an incredible message for me in the Mayhem is, is to learn how to connect with people who are in pain. And in regard to go and do likewise, and step beyond our comfort zone. That is what God, I believe, is calling us to do. I hope you found uh, today's session helpful, and uh, I'll now be handing over to Rob Payne to share some further thoughts. Thank you.
4: Thanks, Andy, for what you shared about how we respond personally in these times of trial, particularly in light of recent events in the US. I'm gonna talk about how can we bring hope in a time of suffering. At Hope Worldwide, we strive to grow in our understanding of how to respond effectively to the needs of those around us and are still learning, so welcome your thoughts and ideas. We strive to treat everyone with respect because they are made in the image of God and to take time to really listen to their story and what they want before trying to help. I'm really proud of the way our team has responded faithfully and creatively during the pandemic. We have met every morning, online for reflection encouragement and planning and it's been moving and inspiring to hear the stories of how we have been able to give people hope for example during the lockdown we got a call from a youth worker who had been on the streets for three days and had tried everywhere before being given our number by a partner organization when my colleague biagio heard his story he was really moved it often takes weeks for people to find suitable accommodation in london But there wasn't time for that, so Biagio got creative. He called a landlord he had built trust with, advocated on his behalf, telling him all about how this person had helped others, but now needed help himself. The landlord did a viewing straight away, offered him the place on the spot, gave him keys, and even let him stay that night. This was a miracle, it was so encouraging to be able to help someone in crisis so quickly. Later, I'm going to talk about how we can each respond to crisis by listening, speaking, and acting. There has also been sadness and tears as friends and relatives of colleagues have suffered and died as a result of the virus. I personally have felt very fortunate to be able to work from home and to be spared the trials of working on the front line or the extreme suffering that so many people in the world have experienced. I'm grateful that I've been in a position to help support those in need through my work and through collections and relief efforts organized by Church and Hope Worldwide and through this event Please do consider donating to the Hope Worldwide COVID-19 response if you haven't already. Links in the emails and on our website. What can we learn from the way the early church responded to times of trial? The book of Acts in the New Testament tells the story of how, despite opposition and persecution, the gospel of Jesus Christ spread out from Jerusalem across the known world. It ends with the Apostle Paul in lockdown, preaching the gospel of Christ while under house arrest in Rome i love history and i hope you don't mind me sharing some history that helps me understand the world at the time of jesus and paul in the roman world life was cheap unwanted babies were abandoned on rubbish tips the weak were despised and those who dared to rebel against the authority of rome were crucified the ultimate display of roman power and cruelty jesus of nazareth was born during the reign of caesar augustus early in caesar's reign Halley's Comet passed over Rome. Augustus claimed it was the spirit of his adopted father, Julius Caesar, entering heaven as a god. And if Julius Caesar was a god, then as his heir and as his son, Augustus was the son of a god, and therefore people were to worship him and his successors as such. So the news that Jesus, a man who was born in poverty, who had healed the sick, fed the hungry and challenged those who oppressed the poor and died on a cross had been resurrected, ascended into heaven and was at the right hand of God was revolutionary. The idea that Jesus had established the kingdom of God on earth was reigning in glory in heaven would one day return to earth in judgment and that, for those who were part of his eternal kingdom, there would be no more death, mourning, crying or pain was turning the world upside down because it was challenging the very foundations of the Roman worldview. It helps explain why the early church behaved in such a countercultural and revolutionary way. As the early church put into practice the teaching of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself, by showing mercy to the poor and needy, and even to their enemies, they were doing things that changed the world forever. When a devastating plague swept across the ancient world in the third century, Christians were the only ones who cared for the sick, which they did at the risk of contracting the plague themselves meanwhile pagans were throwing infected members of their own families into the streets even before they died in order to protect themselves from the disease the roman emperor julian writing in the fourth century said it is a scandal that the galileans care not only for their own poor but for ours as well the love of power was being overcome by the power of love I want us to consider the mindset of the early church and how it affected how they responded to crises like plagues and famine, so that when we are called to respond to issues in our world, like pandemic, poverty, racism, and climate change, that we are able to do so in a faithful and an effective way so that we can be part of the solution, not part of the problem. A key key scripture for me is Romans 12, verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It is hard to discern God's will sometimes, particularly during a crisis when there is so much happening and so many voices. We need to take time to meditate on scripture, to read, to pray, to wrestle, to talk so that our minds can be renewed and that we can test and approve God's will as we pray and take steps of faith. One of, the, one of the things that helps me is understanding the bigger picture, the story of God and the character of Jesus, so that I can consider what would Jesus do. In the session last week, we heard about how Genesis 1-3 to describes how God made a good, ordered world, and mankind in His image as responsible stewards of creation. We also heard about how mankind rebelled against God resulting in much of the disorder that we see in our world today, and how Jesus went about challenging disorder whenever he encountered it, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and challenging oppressors, and how we are called to do the same if we are followers of Christ and part of his kingdom. I want to share two things that I believe are key to bringing hope. The first is having a vision of the future that inspires action in the present. And the second is using our strengths to help others in their weakness. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In 2014, I went to A&E with what I thought was a bladder infection and was diagnosed very quickly with acute leukemia and rushed to a specialist hospital and underwent four courses of chemotherapy over the next four months and experienced isolation, suffering, a lot of pain, Uh, but also connection with those who visited me or contacted me and the hope of a better future. It helped me to know that I could grow through my suffering and connect with the suffering of others. Also that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that awaits. At the start of Revelation chapter 21, there is a glorious vision of the Christian hope. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The vision is of God dwelling with his people, and that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. New Jerusalem comes to earth. It is the final answer to the Lord's Prayer, that God's kingdom will come and that his will be done on earth as in heaven. The early church understood that they were bringing this hope to the world. Death was not the end, that they were citizens of heaven going out into the world as salt of the earth, rubbing healing salt into the wounds of their society and shining light into the darkness of the world around them. When people saw how they lived, and even more how they died, they wanted to know what motivated them to live in this way and what gave them this hope, even in the face of death. In our society today, a lot of people don't want religion or to be religious, but many people do want to be spiritual and to be part of something that makes the world a better place. And so if people see Christians loving those in need and challenging injustice, it opens them up to hearing about why we do it. As is said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Jesus got a hearing because of what he was doing. When the disciples of John the Baptist questioned if he was the one, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So, to strive for a better life for the poor and needy in this life is not something tacked on to the gospel. It is not a distraction from the task of mission and evangelism in the present. It is a central part of the mission because it shows the world that there is a God who cares about justice, about pain and about suffering, and will one day make everything new and it helps open up people's hearts to hear more about him. So how do we bring hope to those in need? We all have strengths and weaknesses. We all need help, and we can all give help. And secondly, using our strength to help others in their weakness. Research shows that we do best as human beings when we use our strengths and focus on using what we have rather than focusing on what we lack. In Romans 12, verse 6, it reads, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I will give some examples of how we can use our gifts at the end of this talk. In our work at Hope, there is a focus on empowerment helping others to help themselves by using what they have to help them achieve what they want. This pandemic is an opportunity for all of us to change rather than just go back to business as usual. It is also an opportunity to stop and imagine a way to do things differently. We recently celebrated the 75th anniversary of the end of the war in Europe. The end of the war was a time for great celebration. It was also an opportunity to start new things that made the world a better place. The NHS, the welfare state, and the United Nations were some of the things that resulted from this desire for real change, and it inspires me to know that the idea of healthcare free at the point of use, that principles like equality and justice and helping those in need are firmly rooted in the teaching of the New Testament and life of the early church. The preparation for these things, like the NHS, was started before the end of the war how can we prepare now to make changes for the best for the better in the future more on that next saturday no pressure malcolm and andy Uh, i want to encourage us to do three things so that we can discern how we respond to times of trial firstly to listen take time to listen to how people have been affected by recent events what are they feeling how are they coping what are they learning and also to listen to god of course by by reading his word and hearing his voice Secondly, to speak, to pray to God for wisdom, and to speak to others about what is on your heart. You never know what might come of it. And finally, to act, after listening and speaking, act. Use what we have to do something, no matter how small. The two-step program I work with houses around 300 people a year, and we are going to be working very hard to house as many of the people taken off the streets and housed in hotels and temporary accommodation during the pandemic as we can. Two-Step began with a conversation nearly 30 years ago. Walter Evans spoke and asked John Partington if he would join him living on the streets for five days so that they could learn about the homelessness crisis in London. John listened, they spoke about what they could do and together they acted. Afterwards, when others listened and spoke about what they had done, they too were inspired to act and to get involved giving out food and clothing. This led to the Two-Step program which has housed over 7,000 people and, in turn, led to our recovery service, ODAP, that has helped hundreds of people break free from addiction. I hope and pray that as we listen and speak to one another today, that we are inspired to take action and to take steps of faith that God can bless, and who knows where those will lead. I'm now going to show a couple of short videos, one from a supporter and another from a Hope intern, about their response.
5: It can certainly feel really overwhelming to be surrounded by so many needs and not really know how to help. Which is why when my husband Ben suggested that we take part in a family fundraising challenge, it got my attention. Initially got my attention because I thought there's no way I can do this, but I'm really glad that as a family we could listen and we could respond to the call to do something together as a family rowing at least half a marathon together every single day in the month of May with a goal of raising as much money as possible to go on to be a blessing to people around the world. It was tough, it was challenging. There were days I thought, what have I done? But I'm delighted to say that we've raised over 2,000 pounds and we really are very grateful to God It bonded us together as a family, and we're just glad we could make a difference. Thank you.
6: Hi, I'm Alex Cameron. I've just finished studying my degree and I'm part of the Hope Worldwide Global Service Interns. I've loved getting involved with different ways to serve during this challenging time, but it has also exposed the prevalence of some issues such as race, inequality and the environment. I hope I can give you a sense of what young people feel about some of them. I believe young Christians everywhere feel convicted and hurt by these problems, but can be unsure of how to respond. It's clear that there are unhelpful responses out there, and so we need guidance on what a godly, righteous response looks like. Young people have this energy and passion to stand up for what's right, but without mature leadership, will risk directing it to the wrong outlets. I know my temptation in seeing these injustices is to get angry, which may be justified, but use it in a malicious way, which spreads hatred and not love. I'm tempted to be led by my emotions and get caught up in arguments instead of using truth and compassion. Then we consider Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven." I think young people are willing to be persecuted for these causes, but we need guidance so that our own flaws or biases don't get in the way. We're already looking for ways to make positive change, but we want your support, experience, and biblical insight to ensure we always honour God with what we do. My encouragement is to listen, speak, and act. Listen to the challenges young people face around you. Speak up on what is wrong, make clear how God feels about these issues, and act by making changes in your own life so that you're, you feel better equipped to protect against injustice. Thank you. Very much, Ronke and Alex. How can we use
4: our gifts as we respond to the current crisis? Maybe it is serving others. Maybe it is teaching, helping others understand and process what is happening. Maybe it's encouraging. For example, giving just listening and, and acts of kindness. Maybe it's giving. It's easy to be emotionally detached and like the priest or the Pharisee in the parable of the Good Samaritan, to walk by on the other side or, or look away rather than sacrificing time and resources to help those in need. Maybe it's leading, setting an example, encouraging others to get involved in, in a good, effort or a good idea. Maybe it's showing mercy cheerfully, walking towards those in need, like the Good Samaritan again, and using what we have to help and also to get others involved. Even the Good Samaritan needed the inn and the innkeeper and didn't do everything himself. In summary, how do we respond to the suffering in this world? How can we bring hope? Let's have a transformed mind as we listen to God and others speak about what is on our hearts and use our gifts and resources to act and take steps of faith together. Thank you.
7: Hello everyone. Uh, greetings uh, from Hope Worth, Zambia uh, in Lusaka. This is Doreen speaking. Um, there are a lot of things that have been happening uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of programs have been affected in Lusaka. There are a lot of communities uh, that are not benefiting anymore from uh, the works that we used to do. And uh, as Hope Old Zambia, what we are doing uh, at the moment is to help the communities uh, with uh, relief food. So we got some funding uh, from the U.S. uh, to help uh, affected communities, affected families. And what we're going to be giving them would be uh, food hampers that would include our staple food, milly meal, some starch there and uh, um, uh, uh, different uh, assorted um, foodstuffs. So this is what we're doing at the moment. And uh, the beneficiaries were already identified and mostly are those that uh, have been uh, on the program uh, for a very long time, and uh, whose children also attend uh, kids' clubs. That was the selection criteria. So the families uh, in these communities are suffering greatly because most of them have actually been out of employment. And as you are aware, I mean, the communities already have. Um, a lot of uh, there's a lot of suffering in the community but uh, the COVID-19 has actually worsened the situation many families are going uh, to bed hungry many children are going to bed hungry businesses have been affected the women that uh, normally sell from the uh, sell vegetables and fruits at the market their sales have actually gone down because a lot of people are not are not going to the market for fear of uh, contracting uh, the, the disease. And even those people that were employed and were able to support their families, they're no longer doing that because uh, they are no longer employed. The maids have actually been um, uh, taught to stop working because the employers do not want to risk uh, them uh, bringing the diseases in their homes. and. Uh, even the people that were doing their own small businesses are no longer doing that because the market is actually at a standstill the economy is actually very bad so we will be distributing the food hampers in Chivolia Kanyama Mtendere and Kalingalinga to help uh, to help the families uh, with uh, uh, with the with the food so that they can uh, provide for their families we know that uh, suffering is has always been there but uh, the COVID-19 has actually worsened the situation and um, even if we're going to help them now this help is not going to continue because there's no funding We would love for us to go and help them to to just elevate them to let them know that we care we are doing all these things for them we're in existence because we are there uh, because of them and we want to give them hope we want to make them aware that we still care even if the economy is not doing well we thank you so very much uh for for your support and uh thank you so much for being a part of this event god bless
0: thank you very much um again i want to say thank you to uh to everybody who's spoken uh on the videos and uh uh, especially andy and rob and doreen and Ronke and alex and then mike farrell at the beginning there and uh and and, uh, uh chandra for praying for us all the way from india thank you very much Um, We will make the recordings of the talks available. They'll go up either later today or tomorrow. Um, So that'll all go up online. We'll send the links out. If you have any further comments on today's materials or last week or thoughts about future stuff, then do let us know. Uh, You can email back on the emails you've received, um, or you can contact me personally or any of the guys organizing this, um, or you could send an email to the official Thames Valley Church email address which is tvcochrist at gmail.com tvcochrist at gmail.com next week andy boacci dr andy boacci myself will be speaking um, as we speak on trying to peer 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 into the future a little bit Um, what might this look like going forward once we're maybe not quite through all of the crisis period but at least how might following jesus look um, as we as we go forward and so any thoughts on that we'll be grateful for that and we'll speak on that next week if you haven't yet registered for the next week's session do so and uh, you'll be able to connect and if you liked it um, amen if you didn't I'm sorry um, but if you did do tell somebody else uh, so they might come along it's been great to see a hundred and then today more like 140 people um, who knows next week um, although it's not about the numbers but it's nice to spread the word Okay, I think, unless there's any other bits and pieces, fellas, that have helped me organize this that I'm missing, I'm going to ask Jane to pray, and then I'll leave the the session open for chat and catch up. I'm here. All right, Jane, can you actually say who you are for the benefit of people who don't know you and then lead us in prayer?
8: So um, I'm Jane Whitworth. I'm in the East Sector in London, and I'm Director of Development um, for Hope Worldwide. UK. (laughs) Uh, Can we bow our heads in, in prayer? Father God, um, Father, thank you so much for all the thought that's gone into um, just the talks today, God, just really very powerful lessons, Father, um, help us to um, go away and to transform our minds, to, um, to put into practice these things, Father, and to internalise them and, and to act. God, help us to to grow in our ability to listen and to empathize with people who are not like ourselves. Help us to be like Jesus in that respect, God, to um, to be able to really um, be slow to speak, but quick to listen, Father. Father God, help us, God, to embrace uncertainty, God. I love that idea of um, just the scriptures coming to life, God. Help us to um, to just do things which are countercultural and and not to plan um, for our future, but to really be willing to just look at the uncertainty that you 've created in the world at the moment and to uh, and to embrace it and see what the opportunities are, Father God, most of all God, help us just to be aware of all those who are suffering around us at this time and to to really look for ways that we can help personally, um, that we can make a difference. Um, Help us to use our different gifts, help us to uh, be aware of what those are, and um, to use them in order to help those around us. Father, thank you, God, for um, this time. Thank you for everyone joining in. Thank you for our brothers and sisters around the world joining in and for their, um, their, their willingness to give and uh, just the great job that they're doing in the different countries. God helps God just to be supportive and behind them, Father. Father, we we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Jane. I'm leaving it open for a while for catch up and chat. God bless you. Have a great Saturday.